Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm taking us off course. I'm going to read in the book of James. That is the epistle of James, the book of James, chapter 4. Uh, the reason for this departure is that uh, I am, I've been studying this uh, because I was going to be basically um, teaching from this or um, you know, helping lead the adult class at church. So I thought, I've already, I've already read and studied it some, but I thought I would just share, share that here and that we would just, uh, we would have it to, well, I'd share it with you so that you would learn whatever I'm learning from it so that we could learn together from God's Word, which is the whole intention here. Uh, remember, this is obviously not scripted. We're reading to understand what is being said. Uh, in this case, we want to understand what James is is saying is talking about and uh, we want to know how to apply that to ourselves so that we can follow our Lord now that being said this is the book of James it's chapter 4 and I'm going to start in verse 1 what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you is it not this that your passions are at war within you you desire and do not have so you murder you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, I want to pause there for a minute. What James is talking about, the quarrels and what causes the fights among you, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Well, it's because we have earthly desires, human desires, um, we have passions, then um, that's what the passions refers to. It's like um, hedonistic pleasures or desires. It's just things that are not necessarily in tune with God. Um, now, sometimes your desire may be for something that, um, while it is not necessarily a scriptural thing, it is not necessarily anything bad. You could want that new car or whatever for your for you and your family or whatever maybe you need a new car but in this case they're talking more about passions that are wrong for you and passions that are um, if I look in the Amplified it describes it as hedonistic desires so and see my Bible also references the Greek this says pleasures so it's our passions for things that you know are wrong that are causing these issues you know, what causes quarrels, what causes fights among you. And it's those passions, it's those wrong desires, those desiring of earthly things. And, and earthly things can be other things than, uh, than, than passion. It can be other things that uh, are also wrong. Maybe it's greed or, you know, some sort of covetousness. And, they, and he does talk about that in verse 2. You desire and do not have, so you murder. Well, what it is, is... Um, you you know you are desiring you are jealous and covetousness you know you're jealous and you covet things you, you are jealous of your neighbor or your friend or your brother and uh, so you murder you covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel <clears throat> so here again you know you covet and cannot obtain you, you're envious but it's you know it's something you can't necessarily fulfill so you fight and quarrel you do not have because you do not ask. Now that statement is talking about you do not have because you do not ask 
of God. If it's a good thing, if it's something like, let's say it is that new car that you, you really need, maybe you and your family really need a new car. You know, if you do not have, it's because you do not ask. Um, and and I'm, I know that's a that's a really probably not the best example because we shouldn't think of God as like just, you know, a store you go to and ask for things and he produces it. But, um, but you get the idea. You do not have because you do not ask of God. Okay, so I'm going to continue on from verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And this sounds very much like you ask for money and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Here again, we're talking passions. We're talking about pleasures, hedonistic desires. You know, you want to spend it on worldly things that aren't that aren't of God, that aren't good things. It's different if you want to get, you know, Timmy his braces or, you know, something good for you and your family or something that y'all need. But it's another if you're wanting to spend it on, you know, you're praying for that money for whatever you need or whatever you think you need to spend it on these passions, on these earthly desires. Alright, verse 4. You adulterous people... Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now here, he's plainly saying that by uh, toying around with these worldly things. Now, and this is, you have to understand these are wrong, bad worldly things, you know friendship with the world in that way uh, being you know you're toying around with these like I said we refer back to those desires those pleasures that um, you're making that you know that you're making that a well this is friendship but you're making that a priority something important in your life and um, you know you're creating enmity with God because you're toying around with this sin, with these uh, hedonistic pleasures, these these bad earthly desire desires. Um, and if you wish to be a friend of the world in that way, then you are making yourself, you are joining the other side. You're you're leaving God and joining. Um, you're basically joining the the world or Satan uh, and those cohorts. Pardon me, I needed to <clears throat> just drink a little bit there. So, and it calls us adulterous. Well, let's let's continue on and this will become more clear. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy, o jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? So, these desires, these earthly desires, you know, God yearns jealously over us as not in a jealous way like we are jealous and um, of others, but in a way that he is jealous over us as a parent is jealous over a child to keep their child safe, to keep their child out of harm's way. It's a uh, divine jealousy, as I've seen that referenced before, um, that his jealous, jealousy is not a petty, 
childish jealousy of that we have as humans where you know our jealousy may come through a feeling of inadequacy or any number of other things God is always more than adequate um, God is omniscient and all-powerful all he is jealous over us in a way that a parent is because he wants to keep us safe and keep us out of harm and keep us from things that hurt us so so he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. He, he yearns for us, for our souls, for our um, spiritual lives. Um, verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And God gives us grace to, well, let's, let's read on, you'll see here. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Pardon me. Um, <clears throat> draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So this is all about our struggles with everything we've read from verse 1 to verse 10 is about our struggles with the pleasures of life and not necessarily good pleasures because like I said and the Amplified Bible it refers to this as hedonistic desires so it's those type of pleasures um, so let me look here. I was trying to find um, the right references here. So, talking about these these hedonistic pleasures and these desires that we shouldn't have, and uh, some of this sounds some of this sounds like it relates to, or it can be related, I'm sure, to a number of things. But just as examples, some of this sounds like it may be talking about possibly sexual desires. Some of it may be talking about uh, greed or monetary desires <clears throat> um, and when we when we covet and envy and lust and, and are you know jealous for those things um, that that sets us up in our spirit that sets us up in a bad way that sets us up so that God is not um, so that we're in opposition with God. That's what that's what James is getting at. It puts us on the wrong side of God. It puts us from being uh, a sheep on the right hand. It puts us to being a goat on the left hand. If you think of uh, how Jesus describes some things, it puts us as being on the wrong side. And uh, like here it says in verse six, um, God opposes the proud. It puts us in opposition with God. And here in verse uh, four makes you know uh makes himself an enemy of god it, we make ourselves an enemy of god with these with these wrong desires and these wrong actions because the desire the temptation is always there you know we're going to be tempted but when we act out on those things that's that's when we're we're sinning we know it's wrong anyway um so those things are you know those things tend to put us on the wrong side of God and put us in opposition with God. Okay, but to combat that, God gives us more grace. And in the 
Let's see if I can find that real fast here. Um, uh, in the Amplified, it says he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Spirit to defy sin and to live an obedient life. And that's what James is talking about here. So he says that he gives more grace, God gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives more grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. You know, repent. Submit, submit to God. One way to control these, these uh, thoughts, these uh, temptations, these desires is to submit ourselves to God, the will of God, the word of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, let's say, let's say we're going to go say uh, no. We're not going to do whatever that is. We're going to we're going to go with God. We're going to stay with God's word, and we're not going to do whatever that might be. We're not going to covet someone else's money, or we're not going to wish for you know uh, hedonistic desires. You know, um, instead we're going to take our mind off those things. We're going to put our mind on the Word of God, on the things of God. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. And that's what that has to do with. If we will draw near to God, you know, by focusing on God, He will draw near to us. He will help strengthen us, and we'll be able to resist even more so and do better. It takes time and practice, and you have to do it, and you have to be committed to doing it like anything else. Uh, because a lot of these temptations and desires they're they're fairly natural and normal as in most everybody has them that doesn't mean we should act on them you know um, that's just the way it is we may covet um, your neighbor's uh, car or wife or any number of things house but you know instead we should just be happy for them and be content with what we have now James then goes on and says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. You double-minded, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. This is about repenting. Repenting, go to God in sorrow and, and repent for uh, being jealous and covetousness and maybe being, you know, uh, um, what's the right word um, you know causing strife and not being content you know we, we should be content as we are first and then try to move forward in a godly way we can be successful and we can have a great life here um, but we're going to have temptations and we have to know how to handle those things and that's part of what James is talking about here is how to, how to handle some of these temptations so I'm going to move on with verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Pardon me again. <clears throat> but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Do not speak... E okay, so I'm going to stop there. Okay, so do not speak evil against another. Do not, you know, do not slander. Do not speak badly of someone else. Do not be judgmental, especially since we're all... I mean, we really have to remember we're all in the same boat. We're all here on earth together. 
we're living the same life we have almost you know I mean we have basically all the same temptations there's yes there's varying degrees of of where we are in life and how we're doing things but uh, you know some some are normally better off than others in different ways we each have our strengths and weaknesses but we shouldn't be speaking against each other or judging each other you know um, I'm gonna Again, because I've been reading and studying some in the uh, the Amplified Bible while I've been doing this, I want to read this here. Um, <clears throat> it it kind of elaborates a little bit on some of this. Who you know about the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother? <clears throat> it's he's referring to speaking, you know, self righteously and. Um, you know, kind of judging each other in a self-righteous way that is actually hypocritical because we do all share in these same issues. Um, and the part about, you know, um, you speak evil against the law and judge the law because you're trying to take the place of we have, we have one lawgiver and one judge, okay? There is only one lawgiver and one judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. So we shouldn't be trying to step into that role. It's not up to us to judge. And um, especially in a hypocritical way like this is, this is really talking about us judging in a self-righteous, hypocritical way. Um, it's different like if I'm doing something wrong, and I don't know, I'm just going to try to give you some example. If I'm lying or if I'm cheating, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm doing the books for some business and I'm doing it incorrectly on purpose to, you know, uh, cheat the company or something. And you find out about that and you come to me and try to get me to correct my ways. Okay, you're, you're judging an action that I'm taking that is most definitely wrong and that's okay. But... We shouldn't be judging each other like we know each other's intents and hearts. We don't. We don't at all. Um, it would be great if we had that kind of uh, knowledge. I think we would find that, uh, especially especially as Christians, we would find that everyone's really trying to do the best they can, you know, and we all have problems and failings, and uh, we should be anyway we should just not judge each other in this way at all we should not be self-righteous and hypocritical and we should remember there's only one lawgiver and one judge and that is God um, all right he is he who is able to save and to destroy so we should not be judging our neighbors all right verse 13 come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So there's quite a bit here in just these few verses, but one of the you know the first the first intent the first thing being said here is that you know we think 
you know, we think we know it all. We think we know what we're going to do. We say, oh, today or tomorrow, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to spend, you know, maybe we say, oh, in six months, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be doing this. Well, you know, that's great um, that you have plans, but we don't know what tomorrow will bring. In our life, as James mentions here, we are, um, you know, we're just a short-lived, just a vapor in the scheme of things. We just, you know, we're, we're here and then we're gone, just like that. So instead, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, it's like, it's like when, I try to, when I try to think of what we'll be doing and how we'll um, be studying the Bible once we continue through, if the Lord wills, when we, you know, when we get through the New Testament, we'll go and do the Old Testament. But I've gotten to where I like to say, if you know, if the Lord wills, if 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 we're still here, if the Lord uh, makes it possible, um, if things do not change, then. But see, we don't know what's going to happen. We're not we're not God. He's in all times, in all places, at all times. So, he knows, but we don't know. So, it's like we're boasting in our arrogance, assuming that we know. Now, sometimes I know you say, hey, next Thursday I'm going to do this. And the reason you say that is that's your plan, that's on your calendar, and, I, and we understand that. But, um, you know, we should always remember that, you know, by the grace of God, if... if if the Lord wills and we're still here and everything's still going on and nothing changes, then yeah, next Thursday I'm going to be there. I'm going to go to that meeting or do whatever. And I'm not saying you have to necessarily say it like that all the time, but we should always keep that in remembrance. We should always remember that. That yes, if the Lord wills, that's our plans, and uh, you know, hopefully nothing. Hopefully nothing will change that, but what if something good comes along? You don't know. You could turn around tomorrow and, I don't know, you could have something really good happen. You could find out, um, I don't know. I, I can't think of something <laughs> right now. I'm sorry. But anyway, well, you could find out you've got a great offer for a new job. And so next month, you're not going to go to that conference. You're going to go to this new job and be doing that. It's a much better job. You know, you don't know. And that's the point. So, and then finally, verse 17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. As we know, sin is basically doing what we know we shouldn't do. Or, as James says here, knowing what you should do, knowing the right thing to do, and choosing not to do it, you fail to do it. For for you, that is sin. So, this is like right there, just real quick, boom. But I mean, he just he just says it right there. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. If we know the right thing to do is, for instance, to help this lady across the street or to help somebody. Maybe they've dropped something. You pick it up and hand it to them or whatever. You see they're, they've dropped money or their wallet or whatever. Um, you know, if you see something like that and you know, hey, I should, you know, I should get that and make sure they have that 
and you don't do it, well, that's because you know that's the right thing to do, then, you know, then even that can be sin, something that simple. So, it's something to think about, as well as committing sin, where we knowingly do something we know is wrong, there's also the sin of inaction, and we should we should not be guilty of that either, as long as we can. Now, there are times I know you can't do something about it, or someone else just beats you to it. You know, maybe someone a lot closer to that person sees that they dropped it, and that person helps them before you can even get close. That's okay. That's not sin. You had the right intent. You were maybe you were heading that way, and you were going to help them, but someone beat you to it. That's life. That's fine. Anyway, so um, that is James chapter four, and I know I have rambled for quite some time. I hope this is useful to you. Just a quick little recap. Um, the main focus of especially the first of this chapter, most of the chapter, is. Um, Avoiding, avoiding these these desires, these pleasures of the world, um, avoiding this covetousness and wanting those things. Um, we don't want to set these things up as as idols that we want, and like we put them before God, and that makes them something we worship. We don't want to do that. Um, you know, you can't serve two masters, so you don't want to get caught up in serving the pleasures of the world or money or you know any kind of greed or covetousness um, we should try to be content with ourselves we should pray to God and ask correctly for the correct things for the correct reasons we want to have blessings for our family we want to have blessings for our friends for our church for our brothers and sisters in Christ these are the things we should be trying to pray for uh, to help others so, um, I know he doesn't go into these specifically like that, but, uh, you know, we should uh, make sure that we're on the right side of things, make sure we're with God, make sure that we're studying the Word, and, and that we're repenting for our sins and for the things we do incorrectly, and resist the devil and the temptations of the world. And I think I, think I have probably in an okay way summarized that. Not as well as James says it. Sometimes though I know when we read the Bible it's a little harder to understand what they're what the writer is getting at. Just maybe it's lost in translation or just due to the fact that we live in a different time in a different world. So and we, we do say things differently than they did even hundreds of years ago. So Alright, that is James chapter 4. I hope, uh, well, I want to, I hope it's useful to you. Uh, thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day, and God bless you.